Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray for his blessing upon it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we ask this morning, Lord, that you would reveal Jesus Christ to us in your word. His character, his greatness, his compassion, his love. This we ask in the name above all names, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this is a familiar passage. It has been a passage treated by church fathers and commentators down through the ages. It would be perhaps a bit surprising for us to realize that this is the only place in the Bible that this story occurs. We're so familiar with it that we might think that every one of the gospel writers talks about Mary and Martha. And down through the ages, others like us have looked at this passage and looked to make it sort of a theoretical construct of the world. We even talk about Martha Christians and Mary Christians. We talk about those who do things and those who are contemplative and who sit and learn. And the tendency can be to look at this and to try and find out what kind of a Christian we are and whether that's good or that's bad. This has even been used down through the ages as a support for monks and monasticism, saying that it's better to be contemplative and not to do things, but rather simply to go apart from the world and live in silence. Well, I don't think this passage is here so that we can categorize ourselves. I don't even think this passage is here so that we might learn what we should do or not do. This passage is written by Luke under inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that we might see our own hearts and the need of our hearts as revealed by the Savior. Well, let's begin then by looking at this familiar passage. This is a family of believers. Again, these are not two totems. Mary and Martha are not two theoretical standards. They are real people just like you, just like me. Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus all had come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They all loved Jesus. They all wanted to be around Jesus. And 
it actually seems at times in the Gospels that their home in Bethany was kind of a home away from home for him. They all genuinely loved Jesus. But at the same time, just because two people love and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't mean that their personalities are wiped away. It doesn't mean that they are the same. Sometimes we expect this, don't we? When we look at others in a family, and especially when we see a family resemblance, we expect them all to act the same. Of course, everyone will like football. Oh, of course, they all like to read this kind of literature. Oh, of course, they all like this kind of food. When the reality is, as we are very aware, two people that look very much alike and grow up in the same home can be very, very different, can't they? Sometimes it's even shocking. We'll see this with identical twins. They look identical, but their personalities are so different. And this is true here of the two sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha was the prototypical doer. She had invented the to-do list before there was the to-do list. She was responsible And she was one of these people, perhaps you know someone like this, perhaps you are someone like this. She was the one who was responsible and she knew it. And part of her job was to let everyone else know it as well. There's some humor even in her name. In God's providence, her name is Martha. And Martha actually translated means mistress of the house. The lady of the house. Her name means, I'm in charge. And she took it to heart. She was a woman who was gifted. Now we, for all of the humor of how we see she acts, let us not forget this. Martha was a gifted Christian, gifted in the biblical gift of hospitality. She opened up her home for others. She hears that Jesus is in town, and her very first reaction is, how can I help? How can I serve? Martha is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. She wanted to practice hospitality to love and to honor Jesus. Mary, on the other hand, is a bit different. She is quieter. She's more contemplative. She's someone who doesn't like to potentially draw attention to herself, let alone tell others what to do. She sort of has a symbiotic relationship with Martha. We know who's going to be the talker. We know who's going to be the doer. And this is often what the Lord does. He brings complementary people into our lives. Now, lest we look wrongly at Mary and we see her here with no faults revealed in the text and we assume that she is the prototypical Christian, that she is nearly perfect, that she's the one that we should all be like, we have to remember that Mary is a sinner just like Martha and just like you and just like me. We just don't see her faults here. In another situation, we would see her sins. 
But here, the focus that Luke wants us to see is that her focus is on listening to Jesus. You see this in verse 39. Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to him, to his teaching. When Jesus came, she immediately wanted to be with him and to hear what he said. The the language that's used here, the verb for to sit, has the sense and idea that she was an active initiator in this process. It wasn't just that there was one empty chair near Jesus. It wasn't even that Jesus said, Mary, come and sit. No, Jesus was here about to teach, and Mary said, I've got to get a front row seat. I don't want to miss anything. That's because she was a disciple of Jesus. She wanted to learn from Him. And there's a great contrast here from the lawyer we met last week, isn't there? He wanted to challenge Jesus. He wanted to prove Jesus wrong. He wanted to find out what Jesus was made of. And so what did he do? He stood up in front of Jesus. A posture of resistance, of forced equality. What does Mary do? She sits. She's not only hearing what Jesus is saying, she is submitting to His teaching. He is indeed her Lord. Now, let's not be sentimental. I think some of us can look at this story, perhaps we remember from Sunday school days, and we see Mary as kind of smitten, as adoring Jesus as not able to take her eyes off of Jesus. And that that is the main driver here, that she is so much in love with and adoring Jesus that she can't bear to be away. Now, I think there's some truth to that. But in reality, what Mary wants is to hear Jesus and His Word. Do you see that in the text? She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. Now, that means she wants to hear the Word of God coming from Jesus' mouth. The text points this out to us because the word for teaching is the Word. It's the same word that's used for the Word of God. She wanted to hear Jesus bring the Word. His Word. That was what had her enraptured. That was what had her on the front row. So the question comes then to you and to me. Do you long to hear the Lord's Word? Does the Word of God hold your attention? Now, I don't just mean when the Word is read at a worship service, can you manage not to wander off in your mind? No, I mean... Does the Word of God hold your attention and direct what you do? Is it primary in your life? Not, is it the very first thing you do in the morning, but is it the most important thing that you contemplate all day? Does it affect how you relate to others? Does it affect how you treat yourself? Does it affect how you view the world and society? You see... This is something that Mary longed for. She wanted to learn from Jesus. 
This is very significant because at this day and age, women were typically not allowed to sit at the feet of rabbis. There's one famous line from a rabbi that said, better for the Torah to be burned than to be wasted on a woman. But here we see our Lord Jesus Christ encouraging Mary to learn at His feet. This is instructive for us right now, today, in 2014. We live in a world that is constantly talking, theorizing, and legislating about how people should act to each other and how people should be equal. And here we have Jesus actually doing it. Modeling for you that all are equal at the throne of God. All are learners and disciples. That the children of the Lord are all bought with a price. This is significant, the way Jesus treats Mary. Well, we have Martha and we have Mary. And Jesus comes into their midst. And just like Jesus so often does, when He enters into our presence and into our lives, we are forced to show who we really are. And so Martha begins to demonstrate her foibles, her fears, and her anxieties. She is indeed the mistress of the house, even as her name states. But there is now something else going on in the house. There is a storm on the rise, a storm in the heart of Martha. Now imagine the scene. Jesus is coming into town. What can we do? Well, we we need to show hospitality. Of course, you can't possibly have hospitality without five forks and china and properly folded napkins and glasses and a a, a well-arranged flower vase right in the middle of the table. No one could feel at home without that. Now, all of these things are good. All of these things show love and honor. It shows that we are appreciated if if they are being showered upon us. They are good things of hospitality. But there is so much of it that Martha is a whirlwind. And she has to do it by herself. Are you surprised? Jesus is teaching. And no one else wants to leave and go help. Now, the other guests, perhaps, Martha could understand. But her own sister, the one who's in the home here, You see, there's so much work to be done. It's hard and there's no help. And this, of course, distracts Martha. Luke tells us this. This is where the seed of sin begins in Martha. She is distracted. The verb for distracted actually means she is dragged away from what she wants to do. Did you catch that? Sometimes we come to this passage and we think that Martha would rather fix forks and plates and glasses more than anything else in the world. But that's not true, the Bible tells us. What Martha wants to do is to listen to Jesus. Can you imagine the scene? She's moving about, taking plates from cupboard to table. And she hears Jesus say, well, you know, the Lord tells us as she's walking. What does he tell us, Jesus? And she moves and sets up something else. And Jesus says, the hardest thing about trusting God is 
And again, she's walking away. What is the hardest thing? I could only hear. You know, I could listen. If Mary would help me, we could get done. You see, Martha wants to be with Jesus. Martha's a lot more like you than you want to admit. You want to be with Jesus. You want to hear Him in His Word. But there's the kids. And there's school. And there's tests. And there's chores. And there's commuting. And there's work. And there's work at church. And there's double work at church. And there's football games. How do we find time? We're distracted. We're dragged away. You know, there are a lot of things out there to distract us. Aren't there? For some of us, we like the distractions. For some of us, if we have not come to grips with the challenge of faith, with the demands of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the thoughts of eternity and hereafter, it's good to be distracted by trinkets, games that work. It's good to be drawn aside. But you see, the Bible tells us that that distraction is a distraction harmful for our souls. We are to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, if we don't, if we're not focused on the main thing, we move from being distracted to then Martha's second stage of sin, if you will. Piling sin on top of sin. And that is that she now begins to feel sorry for herself. Self-pity fills her heart. It's not just that she's missing out, but that this hospitality is overwhelming. How can she possibly finish this? How can she possibly get this done? Now, do you understand the problem with that? This started out as hospitality to honor Jesus. The focus was on whom? Jesus. Now who's the focus on? Martha. And how she can't get things done. And how it's overwhelming. And how can she possibly measure up to the task? How could Mary do this to her? How could Jesus do this to her? The irony here is, is that by serving Jesus, she's ignoring Jesus. Through her service for the kingdom, she is missing out on the glory of Jesus. It builds from being distracted to feeling sorry to resentment. Now, remember, serving is good. The lesson of this passage is not go home and sit and do nothing and contemplate. No, serving the Lord Jesus Christ is important. The Bible gives us commands throughout But Martha has moved from wanting to honor Jesus to focusing upon herself, and now her sin and Satan are turning this service on its head. Martha is now making herself the standard. What she thinks and what she wants is what should happen for everyone. Why aren't others doing what she's doing? Why isn't Mary pulling her way? Why isn't Jesus telling her what to do? It's, it's not fair, is it? Now, we all understand this, don't we? It happens in our homes every week. Sometimes I think it's part of the 
being in Houston and the engineering focus that we have, that our children, our spouses, all of us, we have Excel spreadsheets at home to make sure that we don't do 2.3% more work than someone else. Have you had that experience? It's not just that when you clear the table, everyone has to clear the table. How many plates did you clear? I cleared one more plate than you. That means you have to do extra forks and knives. We need to even everything out. Right? This is what is bound up in our hearts because we want what we deserve. It's not fair that other people don't work as hard. Don't find things as important as we do. That's another thing that we do, don't we? Everyone in our family should read certain types of books because they're good books. We like them. Everyone should. Everyone should watch certain types of sports because those are the best types of sports. We make ourselves the standard. That's what's in Martha's heart. And this storm that is brewing then becomes a hurricane. A hurricane in her heart. Martha can't take it anymore. Remember her personality. Mary might just sulk a bit. She might keep it in. Not Martha. Martha is the type A before there was a type A. Martha is going to set things straight. Now, imagine the scene. Because you've seen this. You've probably done this. She's working and it's hard. Mary's not moving. She looks over. Makes eye contact. Mary doesn't move. Next time she passes by, she shoots Mary a look that puts her four and a half feet under. Does not get the hint. Then she's got to bring out the big guns. She sets the table. Here goes the plate. And some dishes. And here's the cup. And she's looking. She's waiting for Mary to... No, Mary's just focused on Jesus. After a few minutes, she says, I can't take this anymore. She's not getting a hint. And in typical Martha fashion, she bursts into the scene, interrupts the teaching, and says, Lord! Now, here's the irony. What does she call Jesus? What is the Lord? What's the Lord's job? He's in charge, right? That's why we call Him Lord. She walks up and says, Lord... You need to do something. You're not doing what you're supposed to be. She usurps Jesus' authority. She comes in and she asks him a question that in Greek is, we have this in English too, it's a question that expects a yes answer. This is not an open-ended question. You kids have had this from your parents, right? They ask you a question, it's not really a question. They want you to nod and say yes and, and move along, right? That's what... Martha does. She looks at Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I know you love me, Lord. I know you care. Say yes. Oh, by the way, tell her then to help me. I've got the solution. Mary needs fixing, Jesus. But there's an irony here. Who else needs fixing? Jesus does. Doesn't he? Because if Jesus had known, he would have gotten a hint along with Mary with the glances and the comments and the dishes and the cups. He would have sent Mary in. Jesus needs Martha's help. 
Isn't this sometimes how we treat Jesus? We know how the kingdom should be advanced. We know what should happen. We know what we are supposed to do. If Jesus would just get with the program, then we would be blessed. The problem here is is that we are called not to avoid taking work seriously. Work is serious. This hospitality is important. But Martha has made the next fatal step. She doesn't just take the work seriously. She takes herself seriously. Because you see, after all, Paul reminds us in Acts 17, who is God that needs anything as if He were made with human hands? I hope you are laboring for the kingdom today. I hope you are teaching your children. I hope you are reading your Bibles. I hope you are talking with others. But you do realize that if the Lord calls you home or you move someplace else, the kingdom will still go forward. It will not collapse. You see, it's bigger than us. And Martha had forgotten that. And so Jesus then looks at her. And as He so often does, He reveals the heart and that He is not he is the Lord of her heart. How would Jesus respond to her? How could He respond to her? Well, first, He could have said, you know, that's a pretty reasonable request, Martha. Mary could help out a little bit. Mary, go help your sister. And that would have kept the peace, right? Or He could have been very pious or pious-seeming and said to Martha, you know, Stop it. Sit down here. Stop bugging us. The dinner can wait. Right? But he doesn't do that. As he so often does, Jesus does not take sides in the conflict because he's not concerned about who wins. He wants their hearts. And so here we see the wisdom and the love of Jesus. He reasserts his authority for Martha's own good. He won't let her get away with a lip service, Lord. And yet he is gentle and personal with her. When he says, Martha, Martha, he's not stuttering. This is a specific use of language that is used to bring out emotion, to show tenderness. This was what people did in the society. If they wanted to show care for someone, they would repeat their name. Because Jesus knows what is burdening Martha. He knows what is causing this storm to erupt. And it isn't enough to simply ride out the storm. He knows that the only thing that she really needs is cure for the heart. She's anxious. She's upset. She is distracted. And the reason she is ironically, is because she's not listening to Jesus in His Word. The same Word that Jesus had taught over and over and over again, starting on the Sermon on the Mount, that we are not to be anxious at all, but trust God. That Paul puts it this way, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You see, Jesus knows that what she needs is the Word of God and the promises of God to still her heart. 
And then he shows her what it means to choose the best. He says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, and that will not be taken from her. You see, it's not just about choosing the right thing. That would be just another check on the to-do list. No, Martha is distracted and is resentful, and this flows from an anxious heart, and she needs the promises of God today. Perhaps you do as well. Perhaps you are agitated with your children or your spouse or your parents. Perhaps you are all worked up about your boss or your job or your teacher. You see, the solution is not to get a new teacher or a different job or a better boss. The solution is to hear the promises of God and to apply them to your life. What are you anxious about today? Are you anxious about what other people think of you? Then you need to rely on the promise of God that you have value and worth based on the work of Jesus Christ. Are you anxious about need? Then you need to hear the promise of God that God will provide. Are you anxious about the importance of what you are doing and making a mark? Then you need to hear the word of God that God needs nothing that He is all-sufficient. You see, Martha, just like you and me, is acting out of an ungodly anxiety. And the cure for this is the Gospel. The cure for this is knowing the grace of Jesus Christ. The one thing that is necessary is to receive the words of Jesus. Jesus knows exactly what we need. And He makes the point in a way that Martha can't miss. And so I'll highlight it for you. He says, Mary has chosen what? The good portion. Do you know what a portion is? In the Greek, it's the same as it is in English. It's a part of a meal. It's what you put on your plate. You know, as we diet, we have so many portions of carbs and so many portions of protein. Jesus is putting it in exactly the way that will stop Martha and get her to think that the one thing that is necessary is to know that we desperately need Jesus. Mary chose that one thing. But Martha did too. Choosing that one thing didn't change who she was because we, we meet Martha again in the Gospel of John. In chapter 11, after Lazarus has died, you remember the story? Jesus comes up and Martha is still Martha. She looks right at Jesus and she says, you know, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And then do you know the next thing she says? But even now I know whatever you ask of God, he will give you. I know you are the resurrection and the life. You are the Son of God. Martha, the busybody, gives the second most famous confession of Jesus in the Bible. It's actually longer than Peter's. You see, if we take a hold of that one thing necessary, that's all we need. Jesus is there for us. Will you trust Him by faith today? 
Will you trust His promises? Will you know that no matter what else is going on, there is always hope in Jesus? Let's pray.